Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. If you have your Bibles, then will join me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross to some is foolishness, but to those whose life has been impacted by the redemptive power of the cross, it's not foolish to us. It is the power of God. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I want to preach to you today about Calvary's call. It's amazing to me that everywhere you look, both young and old, male and female alike, it seems that almost everyone has a smartphone. And uh, as one young man said to his mother, Mom, he said, you may not want a smartphone, but you need a smarter phone. <laughs> and uh, so it's a wonderful device. Uh, it's become a way of life. But I think we would agree that it's a bittersweet thing. It's sweet because we can call or text or uh, email practically anyone, anywhere, at any time. That's the sweet part. But it's also bitter because anybody can call you or text you or email you at any place and any time. <laughs> And so we're rarely away. It's very, very difficult to separate yourself. Um, many of us remember life before these devices, and it was easy to be separated from work and things of that nature. But no matter where you are today, you can be right in the throes of whatever uh, your vocation may be in just a moment of time. Obviously, we didn't start off with a pocket-sized computer, which is amount, what it really amounts to today. We didn't start out with these pocket-sized computers that we now call phones or smartphones. But uh, the telecommunications business is ever-evolving. And so for a mixed crowd here today, I realize that what I say won't apply to everybody in the next few moments, but... The telecommunications business, by and large, has been ever-evolving, and many have been a part of that for a long journey. Some people here today live through the party line era, and uh, some people here today have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I can remember party lines with as many as six families sharing one singular landline. And uh, if you went to use the phone, you might hear somebody else talking. So, oh, okay, I've got to come back to that. There's no warning, no way to know that until you picked up the phone. And then there was always the threat of somebody listening to your phone call because there's five other families that could just pick up at any time. 
And, uh, you know, it's kind of a disconcerting thing to be trying to talk to somebody and you hear that breathing in the background of that <laughs> third party that's just kind of tuning in <laughs> for entertainment purposes. But as technology moved forward, we soon had private telephone lines and that almost like felt like you moved into a gated community because you had a, a private telephone line. You were among the upper echelon of that day. It felt like a giant step forward. Am I speaking to anybody that remembers going from party lines to private lines? Don't be ashamed to be that age. <laughs> then we entered the era of the answering machine little mini cassettes that you had to constantly erase because if somebody kept droning on and on and on, they filled up your, they filled up your voice machines. So you had to continually erase that. And they were great for a time and for a while, but it didn't take long until people got weary with talking to an answering machine and talking to a machine. And so another solution appeared on the technological forefront, and that was known as a pager. And all you had to do was just dial a number and a little black contraption that we wore on our side would buzz or ring and um, a number would flash up and that meant that you were to call that person and uh, it didn't take long for people to figure out that you just leave that number and you have no way of knowing whether it went through or not if they got the message or not and uh, you just kind of wait in hopes that they're going to return your call and then people figured out that they would do the number and then dial 911 and put that in there and that meant I need you to call me right now. But it still was not a guarantee that somebody was going to call you. And uh, some of you are acting like you never heard of a pager. You never owned a pager. I can remember Brother Rayleigh and I were together. I had bought my first pager. And and uh, we were going to be doing a funeral together. And, and he said, uh, he looked at that pager. And he said, now that thing's not going to go off in the middle of this funeral, is it? And I said, oh, no. I got that taken care of because I had it on vibrate. And uh, because I'm related to my mother and about as skittish as she is, we were sitting there preparing our, our thoughts for that service and somebody called me and it vibrated and I hollered and made a much bigger noise. <laughs> it'd just been a whole lot better if it just beeped. It would have been a lot less conspicuous. And so I realized that Brother Rayleigh had a point. I probably needed to leave that in the vehicle until we got through the business at hand. And so it, it didn't seem to be much of a solution, but at least it was a try. And then came the remedy of remedies of all time, and that was the cell phone. And the cell phone that, that uh, connected the world, connects us all around, and uh, surely this would be the remedy for everything. You could call and can call people anywhere, anytime. And some people in this building don't even understand life without that, without that option uh, we there was a time you had to consider if it was going to be a long distance phone call. And even when cell phones first came out, I'm not just trying to keep on about this, but in when cell phones first come out, the rates were cheaper after certain times. And so if you want to call somebody, you wait till after seven or after nine o'clock and things of that nature. But all of those days seem to be in a in a distant past. And so I'm going somewhere with this today. Here's the bottom line is that the devices that we have in our hands, these communication devices, have sort of groomed us to one certain mindset, and that is, is that when we dial a number or we text a number or we email, we expect a response. And if somebody doesn't answer or somebody doesn't return your phone call or reply to a text or an email, 
then we can feel slighted. We expect someone to be on the other end to respond in, in some way. This is the age of communication, and so we have gone, grown accustomed to there being a call and someone answering. Today, I want to talk to you and tell you that Calvary is no different. The Spirit of God, the wooing of the presence of God is no different. I believe that when the Spirit of God begins to move in a service, God expects an answer. He expects a response. I don't think that response should necessarily have to be something that's cultivated from the service leader or from the minister. I believe that there should be something that is inept in the heart of man that says, I've, I hear a call and I've, I've got to respond. I've got to respond. I believe that, I'm sure there's exceptions, but I think for the most part, we all realize that there have been times that our hands have been full or we have been preoccupied preoccupied otherwise and the phone starts ringing and there's an urgency in us that says I've got to answer that call I've got to return that call I need to find out who that was the same principle applies I believe in the spiritual realm that that uh, I don't I want to just set the phone aside and say well, I'll just get back to you later or I'll just call you in two or three days but I feel compelled to reach back and I believe that when the spirit of God reaches out there should be something in us that says, I've got to set down whatever I'm doing. I've got to set aside everything that I'm doing and let the Spirit of God press into our heart. I, I don't want to belabor uh, any issue, but I, I said this Wednesday night when the Spirit of the Lord began to move, I believe God was doing something in us, but I'm gonna tell you that I, I even went home later and began to pray about this. I believe that God was doing something through the church on, on Wednesday night. I believe there was a spirit of intercession. We may never know what the presence and the power of God was doing in that moment, but aren't you glad we answered the call? <laughs> Amen, we answered the call. And so every time Calvary calls, I believe that we're expected to answer. Every time someone stands in the pulpit and begins to preach the infallible word of God and begins to proclaim how God loves humanity, every time we pick up our Bible and read about the promises of God that are yea and amen, they are settled, they are unyielding, unbending, amen, something is demanding an answer. And so the question to you and I is how will we respond to Calvary's call? We can think about the life and the ministry of Jesus and we can think about all of those things. Uh, we can think about Calvary and the crucifixion of the Lord. And when we think about that in our heart and minds to students of, of the Bible, we can begin to suppose that the first curtain of this raised whenever Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver but I don't believe that's when it started. I believe it started in Genesis 1 because Revelation tells us that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so Calvary wasn't a surprise. Redemption was not something that caught the Lord off guard. God already had the blueprint of the cross, if you please, drawn up when he created the first tree. He knew there would be a day when the very thing he created would serve as what we call the old rugged cross. He knew that he would be the one to bear that cross and he understood the price tag of mankind's redemption. And thankfully, he was willing to pay that price. He knew there would be those that would embrace Calvary's call and he knew there would be those that would reject Calvary's call, but nevertheless, he went to the cross to die for us. In while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if we look very closely at, at the crucifixion itself and, and if we think about that day and that very, very bloody passage of scripture, 
many of the characters that were there present. Many of those that were standing within arm's reach were gathered at the foot of the cross. And we could say of them that they were so close and yet so far. Those Roman soldiers who were just on the job doing what they did day in and day out, just a part of their job description in their ignorance, they nailed the very hands that created them to the cross. They nailed the very feet of the man that walked into Jairus' house to heal his daughter and walked on water. They nailed those feet to a cross. Those soldiers, for those soldiers, Calvary was just another day on the job. I, I saw a, a documentary not long ago about a man who had spent several years as an execution, executioner and, and he talked about the toil that that had taken on him through the years. But while in his, while uh, as a younger man, it was just a job. It was just something that he did. It was just something that was a part of his job description, as morbid as that may sound to you and I. But for these Roman soldiers and guards, they were, in fact, filling that position themselves. Calvary was just another day. The garment that Jesus was wearing that they took and they tore and they gambled it away. It was just a piece of a, of a game, if you please, that one lucky soldier went home with. However, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap because too many times we hear the preaching of the word of God and it's just another sermon. It's just something that's a part of our day. It's just part of the service and as soon as the preacher is done, we will end the service and go home and go about our business. But I pray that we don't make the same mistake that the soldiers made as they stood at the foot of the cross. I pray for myself and for our church that every time somebody preaches about the cross, whether it's a seasoned veteran of the word or whether it's just a child that talks about the power of Jesus dying for our sins, that somewhere there's a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness that says, yes, Lord. I don't wanna hear the words of the old rugged cross or even think about the theme of the old rugged cross and remain unmoved and unchallenged by the very thought because when Calvary calls, I want to respond. When the Spirit of the Lord moves, I don't want somebody to have to admonish me to lift my hands. I hope my hands are already in the air. When the Spirit of God begins to move, I hope no one has to tell me, why don't we move? Why don't we respond? Why don't we do something? I hope I'm already a part of those that are moving in the flow of what the Spirit of God's doing. Because Calvary's call demands an answer. Amen. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders were preparing for the religious ceremonies that would soon take place. It was Passover weekend. It was the time to get everything ready, all the formalities in place. It was time to make sure that everything was just right. We would say dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's because the Passover needed to be a success. But in the background, there's this noise, this noise of a man called Jesus who he himself is proclaiming to be the Messiah. Jerusalem, in their mind, would be a lot more conducive for the Passover if we could just somehow silence this man that is trying to convince everyone that he is the Messiah. Had it not been for the presence of this one called Jesus, everything would be just right. 
You've heard me say this many times through the years. We certainly want to plan every service and we are going to have a plan. But when the presence of the Lord begins to move, whatever we had planned can wait. I'll promise you it can wait till later in the day. It can wait till later in the service or it can wait for another time. Amen, because we want the spirit in the presence of the Lord to move because when Calvary calls, I believe that we are obligated to answer, to respond. Amen. I want my response always to be, Lord, have your way. Have your way. I pray that the Lord would always be welcome to interrupt us. If Again, using that word, in our church services, in our home, in our families, or on our jobs, let the Spirit of the Lord break free. Let the Spirit of the Lord break out. This morning, I believe that Calvary is again speaking the power of the cross, the redemptive nature of the presence of God. And so the answer and the response is gonna be up to you and I. I can sit with my arms folded because I have my own self-will. I can sit unmoved, unchanged, and unchallenged and go home the same way. Or I can say, Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. I want you to have your will accomplished in my life. Amen. Even in our day, there are those that hear the call. There are those that feel the call. I have watched people under the grip of such strong and powerful conviction, but when the service concluded, they got up and they walked that way instead of walking this way. We have our own self-will. I'm gonna tell you today that the Spirit of the Lord is calling and it is up to you and I to answer that call. I don't wanna walk away from Calvary. I wanna walk toward Calvary. Instead of grace, sometimes drawing men to the Lord, it seems like grace because things are normal. Things are okay. We've got health. We've got money in the bank. We've got a good job, a home, and a car, and clothes. And it just seems like the grace of God sometimes gives people in their mind a false sense of security that all is well. And I'm going to tell you this morning, as shocking as this may sound, but there is a many of people today that don't think they need God because they're not hungry and they're not naked and they're not cold. Amen. They, they've got everything they need. We don't need God. But I'm going to tell you that in a moment of time, in the blink of an eye, in just the flash of, of, of the flash of time, we can realize that everything we call security is not security at all, and it can all be gone in a moment of time. Praise God! Praise God! Even if it's not gone, its value can be gone. It won't matter what you own if you find out you got two days to live. It won't matter how many bridges or buildings bear your name. It will not matter if you realize you've got only hours to make your peace call and election sure. It won't matter. And so I say, Lord, I don't want your grace. I don't want to use your grace and turn it to disgrace. But I want to realize you, we have a space of grace. And in this space of grace, let me do everything within my power because Calvary's call demands an answer. You see... On the day they were crucifying the Lord, he buckled under the weight of that cross. But there was one in the crowd named Simon. Now Simon didn't expect to bear a cross that day. He didn't get up with that on his mind. When he woke up that morning, that wasn't on his agenda, that I will be bearing the cross for Jesus. 
But when he was chosen from the crowd, he was picked, it seems whimsically almost, just chosen to be the one to bear the cross and to take it. And so while he had to take it to Calvary's hill, there was one thing for sure. He didn't have to take the he did not have to take the crucifixion that was on the other end of that cross. When they got the cross to the hill, Simon's job was done, and the Lord knew his responsibility there was to give his life. What a tremendous responsibility. But did he have any way of knowing the full magnitude of what was unfolding before him? Simon would carry it to the top of Golgotha's hill, but it would be Jesus that would take sins of mankind from that point forward. Did Simon have any way of knowing what the blood that was dripping down from his side and his brow, did he have any way of knowing what that blood was really doing for him? I truly hope that when Calvary called him, he responded. I heard one man say, I pray that Simon was among the group of, of Cyrenians in Acts chapter 11 and verse number 20 that were preaching the gospel. I hope that something got a hold of him at Calvary. I hope that he realized this blood was shed for me. I pray today that you and I can realize his blood was shed for you and I and I want to respond. I'm not talking today just about physical response, although I believe that is important, but I don't want to ever be unmoved in the presence of God. I want something to move me from within and if something moves you deep enough from within you will be moved on the outside somehow some way we have to respond to Calvary's call I want to respond in a sense of willingness in the text that I read to you this morning the cross was nothing more than a stumbling block to the Jews it seemed to them the scripture says foolishness foolishness nothing more than foolishness When those little Jewish children went to bed at night, their parents would tell them of how one day there's gonna be a Messiah, this hero that's going to deliver us from the heavy hand of the Romans. One day, one day we're gonna be free from their bondage. But you see, when Jesus was born in a manger, the Jews did not understand that their Messiah didn't come from a palace. They couldn't comprehend that he would come in such a simple form, in such a simple fashion. They expected him to be born as a king, but instead he was born as a homeless and a helpless baby. They expected him to come riding into Jerusalem on a stallion, but instead he came riding in on a lowly donkey. Instead of reading all the prophecies and listening to the voice of God, instead of heeding the message of John the Baptist's claim about him being the Lamb of God, they crucified him despite every voice in their life. And can I tell you today, there are people that are still crucifying him despite many, many voices in their life for the Jews when Calvary called, it was a stumbling block. Now, that's not an arbitrary phrase because the phrase stumbling block carries a whole lot greater weight than it would appear on the surface. The word translates into the word scandal. In other words, it was scandalous for the Jews that their Messiah would die on a cross. They didn't want anything to do with that. That was an embarrassment. They wanted to distance themselves from that. The cross, you see, was to them was just an instrument of death, but they didn't understand that it's not just an instrument of death, but the cross is an instrument of life. 
He is dying that we might live. I'm going away, but I'm coming back again. Your spirit is now, my spirit now is just with you. But when I leave, it's going to be in you. They couldn't understand that this is not just an instrument of death, but it is an instrument of life. It was the cross that was going to build a bridge between the lostness of man and, and the power of God. Hallelujah. And so to that end, I say thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Amen. I want to keep singing songs about Calvary. Calvary. I want to keep singing songs about the blood. I want to keep redeeming. I want to keep thinking about songs that remind me that I've been redeemed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to erase that. <clears throat> to the Greeks, it was nothing more than foolishness to worship someone who had been born in a manger, who lived his life, as young life, as just a carpenter's son, in later years an itinerant preacher, a man who had no real place to lay his head, who had been beaten, mocked, spat on, slapped, crowned with thorns, and ultimately crucified. How can we ally ourselves with that? We're too embarrassed. This is scandalous. This is a stumbling block. This is foolishness. We don't want anything to do with that. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, if it is foolish, then I say label me a fool. If you think this is scandalous, then just label me with that because I am thankful because of Calvary. I'm able to be blood bought. Amen. I'm able to be filled with his spirit. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for the grace that intercepted your life? Praise God. I am so thankful for grace. How can you capsulize Calvary's purpose? How can we summarize it, boil it all down and try to digest it and process it in our mind? I'm thankful for Calvary. I remember an old song many years ago. I was a child thanks to Calvary. I'm not the man I used to be. Amen. Thanks to Calvary. The verses just kind of took a journey of the old places that they used to go and the old things that they used to do. But thanks to Calvary. Thanks to Calvary, I don't go here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore. I believe that we all could write our own song. We could all put our own melody to it. I used to be this, but thanks to Calvary. I used to be that, but thanks to Calvary. I used to go there, but thanks to Calvary. I used to be here, but thanks to Calvary. I was addicted to this, but thanks to Calvary. I was addicted to that, but thanks to Calvary. I'm gonna tell you today, thanks to Calvary, I'm not the person that I used to be. Praise God. I wanna ask our musicians, if they will, to come. In the book of Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says something interesting. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. To those who have experienced that there's a completely different take, it is the power of God. You see, some heard the call of Calvary and they cried foolish. They cried scandalous. They cried embarrassment. I don't want to be a part of that. The cross is truly the power of God. And so today I pray that we don't get so far removed from Calvary's cross. So far removed from Calvary's purpose that it doesn't generate a spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness in our heart anymore. I believe this morning, as in every day, that Calvary's calling every one of us. Whether you've lived for God all your life and this is all you've ever known, or whether you're a first-time guest 
to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Maybe it's all brand new, but Calvary's calling, and Calvary's call demands an answer. You ever seen uh, parents that have children? Seems like they've gone tone deaf. Child standing Mama, Mama, Daddy, Daddy. I mean, you're in the crowd, you're complete strangers, and you want to just say, Can you answer them? Sometimes Calvary's calling just that desperately, but we've grown tone deaf. Tone deaf. We come to church looking for God to move in a certain place at a certain time, in a certain song, a certain place in the service or point in the service. But I want Calvary to call. And I want to hear it slightest whisper. I've seen mothers and dads that were in that tone deaf state. But I've also been in crowded rooms. When a baby on the other side of the room cried out, and amid all that noise, Mama heard that call. Daddy recognized that voice. That's my son. That's my daughter. And there wasn't enough noise. There wasn't enough distraction. There wasn't enough chaos that they didn't hear through the crowd and make their way. Calvary's calling. We've got all of us a lot of noise in our lives. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A lot of noise in our lives. But let's don't get so overloaded until we can't hear the voice of the Lord speak to us. I'm going to ask you to stand. Amen. You see, we either will answer Calvary's call or we not, or we won't. It's just pretty fundamentally basic. We can say yes or we'll say no. And if you say yes or no, you will not be alone because all through scripture and all through life we can read about responses Acts 28 talks about some believed some believe not Acts 13 talks about the Gentiles that believe but the the Jews who just merely got stirred but that, that was enough for them or Acts 14 when the multitude of the city was divided and some stayed with the Jews and others with the apostles, some believed and some did not. Acts 17, some again sided with the apostles and others said, no, we don't want anything to do with that. But it was read to us not long ago and preached about not long ago that two would be in a field. One would be taken and the other left. I'm gonna tell you today that we have decisions to make, decisions to make. And so it doesn't matter if you're a backslider this morning, hear me. When Calvary calls, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because Calvary is strong enough, powerful enough to work through that. Amen. Jesus Christ is willing to meet us here. Amen. I want us to just come gather around the front if you're comfortable this morning. Amen. And let's just praise and magnify the Lord. Would you thank God for what he's done in your life? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.